Hey, this is Jewel Bejvarpu, and you're listening to the Fertility Life Coach Podcast, episode 32. Welcome to the Fertility Life Coach Podcast, a show for smart, type A millennial women who want to get pregnant without the emotional roller coaster. If you want to learn how coaching can relieve stress and balance your hormones, then this is the show for you. I am your host, Jewel Bejavarpu, and I am an infertility and IVF warrior, as well as a certified life and holistic health coach. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, Kelly, how's it going today? I'm so happy you're here. Thanks for being brave and vulnerable and willing to come on today. Yeah. Awesome. So let's get going. Um, kind of what we're going to do is just kind of tell me kind of what you'd like some coaching on today and we'll just, we'll just get going from there. Um, I think we had kind of previously talked through email kind of just like a lot of like the emotional piece would be great for me. Um, Mm -hmm. just because of, you know, just kind of feeling alone from some previous experiences and just not (laughs) always fully knowing how to communicate what I'm experiencing with anyone around me. Yeah. Can you kind of go into like, like, give me a little more detail. I know we wrote that kind of, we talked about this a little bit in the email, but like, just so everyone knows kind of what's going on with you and that way, give me all, give us all the details. Um, So um, for me, um, one of my coworkers and I had started to try at the same time. And so we kind of had a relationship over that because neither of us were being very successful for pretty close to about a year. Um, And then she finally got pregnant, which is fantastic. I'm so excited for her. Um, but at the same point in time, like it kind of left me without like a comrade that kind of like, you know, to keep going along with. Um, so I think that especially just cause, um, my husband and I made a pretty like together choice that we weren't going to confide in a lot of people that we were actually trying to get pregnant just because, mm-hmm. um, he has a very large family and we, we both come from fairly large families and, we just didn't really want people in our business asking how it's going or, you know, unsolicited yeah. advice and things. So it just kind of, you know, was that scenario. So I think, you know, just hit like coping with kind of feeling alone and just like um, communicating with my husband, like how I'm feeling with things sometimes is still difficult on this front. Like we have great communication on tons of other things, but like I don't think he knows where I'm coming from with stuff because for him, it's like, oh, it's only been a year, but he's not the one going through like the emotional roller coaster every month. Yeah. Of, like hoping. Very different. Like, yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, just figuring out how to, you know, help off with that piece too. Yeah. So let's first chat about like the friend. Cause it sounds like to me and like, totally correct me if I'm wrong. I'm like, if I say anything throughout this whole session that you're like, no, she's, she's just not on point with this. Like totally happy being wrong. I love being wrong. Like, please point out and be like, actually, that's not how I'm feeling. Whatever, like whatever that is. Okay. Okay. So feel free to jump in and to do that first of all. So from what I'm hearing, you're saying is that this kind of your coworker is the comrade that you were kind of going through similar stuff together. And then she got pregnant. Like what? Like, how did you feel when that happened? And why do you feel, do, do you feel like you lost her as a friend or you can't talk to her about this no. anymore? Or like, no. what's the problem? I, 
I don't feel like I lost her as a friend or anything. I think in the moment when I found out, I was just so like torn between like really happy for her and really like disappointed for me again. Yeah. Um, and like, I still feel like I can talk to her some about it, but like at the same point in time, like she's in a totally different headspace right now. So like, you know, and I know that it's kind of like tough for me to like, I don't want to say I'm not being as open and honest, but like, I also know like getting through because we're teachers. So like getting through the end of the school year, like making sure she stayed healthy and everything, you know, to, you know, have a good successful pregnancy with everything going on still, like, you know, that was her focus more than, you know, and I felt it was just kind of like more important to support her in those moments of like concern about like how many kids were out quarantining and, you know, things like that versus like Mm -hmm. being freely able to share, like, I'm still struggling with this process at the moment. Yeah. I think that's kind of where I was. Yeah. So I'm hearing that you're just saying you kind of lost like a support system that you had. Right. And it's not that it isn't there completely. It's just not there at the level that it was before. Yeah. Yeah. How is that making you feel? Like, let's get in touch with the feeling. Cause I feel like I can sense that there's some like sense of loneliness, sense of loss. I think those are disappointment. Yeah. I think those are the two, like the two or three biggest feelings. It's just like a general sense of loss and like, yeah. And I don't want to say, I mean, there's always a little bit of jealousy there. Like, yeah. um, So, I mean, that's, that's always part of it. But I think that like sense of like loss of feeling like the ability to be completely open with somebody where I was at, you know, it's kind yeah, of, and I'm hearing you say that you that's been struggling with your husband as well. So it sounds like right now you're not having anyone to be completely open or honest with where you're at, and you're kind of keeping it all in. Yeah, yeah, that's really like that's hard. That's yeah. really hard, right? We're not like as humans, we're not meant to keep it all in, you know. And like and that, of course, you feel lonely. Of course, you feel, you know those that disappointment feeling. So I want us to first, like, before we even jump into like fixing this is one of the things we do in coaching is we learn how to feel emotions because a lot of times what happens is that we have these emotions that are like vibrating in us, right? Like this frequency. And we like, like, Oh, there's that loneliness again. There's that loss again. I should be feeling better. I have my husband. Like we still have a good friendship. Like all these things. And we like kind of shame ourselves for feeling those emotions. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's at all what's happening with you? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I won't deny, I won't deny that. Yeah. So I want us to like hold this, this and I'm going to hold this space for you to like really process it. So we can like, instead of having it like get stuck in our chest, I like to think of like the emotion of like the loneliness comes up, like creeping wants to come out. And we're like, no, no loneliness, go back down. Like go back down to the chest, go back down to the stomach where you belong and stay there. And then like something else triggers us. Like, you know, our periods or whatever else, something else happens. Like she make you know, she makes a comment about her pregnancy. The loneliness starts triggering up again. And you're like, Ugh. right. That awful feeling. No loneliness. Go back down where you belong. And like, when really we need to like let it out in like a safe, positive, 
manner and like let it go through us. So then every single time loneliness does come up in the future, we know how to handle that. We know how to handle all these emotions that they can literally just go through our bodies instead of getting like caught and twisted. And then that what makes us like the reason why this is so important is because that's why that this loneliness is still here for you. And it's been here for how long has it been? I mean, <laughs> well, we'll say five months. Yeah, because we're not allowing us to process it. So like, I'm gonna take you through the steps of processing an emotion. And like, if you cry, if things come up, like that's exactly what should be happening. Okay. okay. So like, I want you to, kind of bring up and tell me, go back into that place where maybe you, that, that loneliness feeling was really strong. Kind of tell me what was happening when you felt that last, when it was pretty strong. Um, gosh, this is going to sound horrible. The last time that I really, um, felt like that severe loneliness, um, wasn't even when I was with that friend. Um, it was at my brother-in-law's wedding actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of almost all of his cousins, all of my husband's cousins and all of, you know, most of the cousins that were there that were female, all but like two other ones besides me out of the like nine or 10 that were there were pregnant. And I just felt like so disappointed and so lonely and just didn't feel like I could talk to anyone about it. And I had really looked forward to having a good evening with visiting with everyone that night. And then, um, my brother-in-law already had two sons or two daughters. And so I got stuck on daughter duty. So I got stuck watching the nieces all night. So I couldn't even like try to connect with anybody else. Um, because even like, there was like one other cousin. Kelly, I'm going to like pause you for a second. Like I see the emotion coming up and like those of you listening to the podcast right now, like you can't see this, but I see Kelly's getting emotional. And so we want to just like, I want you to drop down into your body and feel that sensation of where that loneliness, where do you feel that? Do you feel it in your stomach? Do you feel it in your chest? Is it in your throat, your head? Like, where do you get, feel that feeling? And what does it feel like? Um, like mostly like my chest and we'll say like my lower throat area, yeah. just like, what does it feel tight? Does it yeah. Feel kind of, I was going to say kind of, kind of almost like a tightness, just like, like it's trying to squeeze it in, like not let it. Yeah. So I want you to focus right now. Um, bring, go back to that place of like, you're on niece duty. You just wanted to connect with other people. You wanted to talk about this but you got stuck watching the nieces already. You were feeling disappointed. Just want you to feel where you feel that feeling in your body. Just feel your tight chest right now. Feel your tight throat and just describe to you. You can describe out loud. You can describe in your head. Like, what does that feeling feel like? Is it soft? Is that hard? Is it rough? Is it smooth? And in your head, you're going to have all the thoughts and you're going to be thinking about this memory yeah. and your head is going to be wanting to like spin out, spin out, spin out. And every time you try to, your head wants to spin out, I want you to just drop back into your body and just feel that emotion, feel that loneliness, that vibration of loneliness. Yeah. 
What does it feel like right now? I mean, starts off feeling like, we'll say very like constricting and like really like, we'll say like high vibration and just like so much tension. And if I sit there and kind of like sit in it and kind of try to work through it, it does start to like relax and ease as I like try to like accept that it's okay. But And that is so key is that our brain is telling us this emotion, like our primal brain or like primitive brain is telling us like loneliness equals death. And I get that sounds dramatic, but it is because like we're humans are like a community species. Like back in the days, like if you were alone in the jungle and there was a tiger, like, yeah, it did equal death. So this feeling coming up, is like, from those primitive times being like you being the only one at this group at this wedding without kids without a baby you're outside the community it's death yeah and your and your brain is like what can i do to like keep her alive keep her in the community keep her safe and your brain's like loneliness if she doesn't if she feels loneliness then that way She'll do something about it and she'll get like, she'll figure this out and she won't be lonely and she'll take like, the opposite action. Right. Or right. She's trying to be helpful, but like we're in 2021, <laughs> like I'm not going <laughs> to die. Right. Right. But that's what, like, I just wanted to tell you, like, that's exactly where your brain is coming from. So you can be aware of it. And so you can be like, oh yeah, nothing's gone wrong. My brain is trying to keep me safe because it's programmed that when I feel this emotion of loneliness, alarm bells goes off. It means death. Something's gone wrong. And that's why we haven't been able to process it so far is because we've been like alarm bells. Right. Right. So like go back and I just want you to feel that feeling in your chest. Feel that feeling in your loneliness and just accept it until it's safe. You know, loneliness, it's okay to be here. I'm a human being. I am built to feel every emotion. I'm built to feel every vibration. And I want you to ask, this sounds kind of funny. I know it sounds a little woo, but I want you to ask the loneliness what it needs you to know. Okay. <laughs> right? Like the loneliness is coming up for a reason. I like to think of emotions as like, um, like the alarm bells, like the triggers, right? It's coming up because it wants to tell us something. Okay. I want you to feel that loneliness, feel that tight chest and just ask it, what do you need me to know? Just keep, I want you to keep going in, keep feeling that tight chest, let the tears come and take a deep breath into that, that area, whether it's the tight chest, the tight throat, wherever you're feeling the loneliness the most, take a deep breath, send all that breath to that area. 
and say, I'm safe feeling lonely. Loneliness is just one of the many human emotions. I can be safe feeling it. Nothing is going to happen. I'm going to accept it into my life. And I'm going to be with it. Because I know it's just a vibration in my body. That's all loneliness is. It's just this feeling of tight chest, tight throat. Take another deep breath into it. How are you feeling now? What's coming up for you? Um, I think for me, like when I asked myself or when I phrased it like to the loneliness, like, what do you want me to know? It just kept coming back to me that like disappointment is okay. And that, and I couldn't, I couldn't really get further than that. That was what just kept popping back up for me. Yeah. It's like, that's what your loneliness is trying to tell you is that maybe this isn't even loneliness. Maybe this is just disappointment. Maybe this is just grief. What do you think about that? It seems realistic. I mean, yeah. I mean, I don't know. This is just my guess. Oftentimes loneliness is a, a, we have like primary emotions and secondary emotions and like anger, loneliness, jealousy. A lot of these emotions that we find during our infertility clinic, infertility journey are those, those top emotions. And then Mm -hmm. we dig deeper and then we find the grief. Then we find the disappointment. We find the dread. We find that like the failure, all those like core emotions which generally lead us back to childhood where we have that core wound somewhere in childhood and like infertility. It's just like, as I say, like every single client, like all the people it's like, it just like is a magnifying glass and like shows you exactly like the places you need to heal. It like brings up all the shit. Uh, yeah. I think that's a really good that's probably the best phrasing that I've heard. I mean, like, I, I mean, like, I know I have shit that I've worked through. I, you know, I've been to see, all a, you know, a counselor before. Like I've worked, I've, I've spent a lot of time working through shit. Like I get that, but it never, I mean, to think of it as a magnifying glass on those, those wounds, I never, ever thought to translate one and impose it on the other, we'll say. Yeah, but it really does because like, is this the first time you've ever felt loneliness about something? No. Yeah, and that's how we know is because the loneliness, that's from something else. And then it's just infertility is your, the big thing. And your loneliness is like, great, like really good at feeling lonely. Like we've had a lot of practice about this in my life. Yeah. This is something that maybe we haven't like totally worked through or like cleared up yet in our lives. And so that is just like, comes on over. People can't see me. I'm like doing hand motions. <laughs> I try to keep it like fun and light. Right. Like, just like coming over and being like, yes, great. Let's be lonely here too. 
Tell me about the loneliness. Where else have we felt like that disappointment, that loneliness? Um, geez. I mean, I'm your typical type A perfectionist anyways. So I aren't all my clients. Aren't I? I feel like when you're in this boat, sometimes that's just the type of person you are. Um, I, you know, so I think just a lot of times that loneliness just comes into play. Like when I like, don't know if I'm doing it right or don't know if like, you know, like I was so lonely the first couple of years I started teaching because like, I didn't know, like, am I doing this right? There's no one there to tell me like, you should try this tactic instead anymore. Like, yeah, this is a great way to teach this concept. Like, you know, and you know, so sometimes like we, when we had chatted an email a little bit before, like I had said, like, part of me didn't even feel like I could belong to this community because I didn't, you know, like the infertility community, because like, I didn't feel like, oh, I'd been trying long enough or anything. Like, I didn't know if I had like been doing all the right things. Like, so like, even though I think this is a great community, like that you run and everything, like, I didn't feel like I truly had a right to be a part of it either. And I think so much of my loneliness just stems with just not feeling that I'm doing things right, or that I don't have the the right or the privilege to be a part of a specific community because like, you know, that loneliness when I first started teaching was just, I didn't feel like I had the right to be called a teacher yet. Cause I didn't have the experience and, you know, you had a degree, but yeah, I had a full degree. Yeah. Isn't this so, I just want us to point this out because like Kelly, you are like, I think I've talked about this to three other people this week who have felt the exact same way, who have said like, like, when I do a giveaway, like every single time, every single time I do a giveaway session, this is what happens. Someone wins the giveaway, right? I message them and they're like, oh no, like I can't possibly take this giveaway. Like I can't possibly take this free session because like, I don't deserve it. Like I'm not far enough along. And I've had people say this at like six months. I've had people say this at two years. I've had people tell me about this after going through infertility for five years. Yeah. So I know what's kicked me off to it is like, it's not about how many years you've gone through infertility is that your brain is saying, and like, this is so convenient for your brain. Your brain is saying like, well, I don't want to feel loneliness, but then I don't have a right to be a part of this community. I don't have a right not to feel loneliness. Yeah. Should be feeling loneliness. This is my punishment. Like your brain is trying to like punish you into doing something by saying, oh, like loneliness, you have to, like, you have to feel loneliness. So when you try to get out, your brain is like, no, I can't get out. Like this is where you should be. Right. I just wanted you to see like this, the, the community, like that's just like, I call that like a C that's like a circumstance. Like we could put like six months of trying to conceive, we could put one month of trying to conceive. We could put like 10 years of trying to conceive. We could put like, like what I've done, like one cycle of IVF. It's all, 
it has like, it's no, has no relevance. It's just a fact until we put a, have a thought about it. So your thought is, I don't belong. I don't deserve this community. I don't deserve to be a teacher. Two years teaching. I don't, I'm, I'm not, I don't deserve to be a teacher yet. I don't have enough experience to be a teacher yet. Yeah. But like, who sets those rules? Like, tell me, where do those rules come from? Yeah. And see, that's it. It's just something self-imposed. And I struggle so much with those. Yeah. So let's figure out why you're self-imposing. Let's start with the teacher one, because I think that's a little bit easier than the infertility. And then we can move to the infertility. Okay. Like, why, why did you feel like you weren't like worthy of being a teacher? I think that's the key word, worthy. Yeah. I think that's a good keyword. Um, I mean, to be fair, I'm, I'm a lot past that point, but totally. And I'm totally, I'm eight years in now. Like I've earned, I've earned my licks at this point. Um, (laughs) earned, I'm just taking notes of these words that we, yeah, it just, but I think when I first started, it just like, I just didn't feel like, I didn't feel like I had it handled. I didn't feel like I knew what I was doing. I. I mean, it definitely did not help during that first fall parent-teacher conferences when I know the parents were just trying to be nice and joke, but I had several looked at me and say, are you sure you're old enough to be teaching my son or daughter? And I'm just like, no, is what I wanted to say. But I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, I was 26 years old at the time. Like I had my full degree. I'd been subbing for two years. Like I knew what I was doing. I just yeah, but that when that parent questioned you, I just was a little seed of doubt, and yes. like you know, I my mom and I believed it. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know, just again that I didn't have that worthiness or that I didn't have that right to be a teacher. Just yeah, because what your brain was doing was your brain was saying, if I don't know exactly what I'm doing perfectly then doesn't equal being a teacher because I have some doubts. I can't call myself a teacher because teachers (laughs) know how to do everything right. They know how to run parent teacher conferences. They have like, they know exactly how to, you know, teach this curriculum. They have it off the back of their hand. They, you know, they do all these things. Well, they know how to do classroom management. They never have any issues. So you have this whole, and I like to call this the manual. You have this whole like manual, like we have the refrigerator manual, right? Where the refrigerator is like, oh, this is how the refrigerator works. And this is, this is what a fridge, you have this whole manual of like, this is my definition of like a teacher. This is what teachers do. This is how teachers should act. Real teachers do this, 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 and this, and this perfectly. So therefore... Because I have this thought that I don't know what I'm doing, which is totally just a thought we have, right? It's just right. like your brain like happened to like one day be like, give you a sentence and you believe it. Like yeah. that's what thoughts are. Like a sentence is in our head, like literally like a string of words, but together grammatically correct. That's like, that our brain is like, oh, huh, okay, I'll say this. And then your brain says it and you're like, oh, my brain's right. Right. <laughs> right. And we believe our brains. And that's like our biggest first mistake is that we think everything our brain tells us is true because it's our brain. 
Yeah. Like, what if it's not? What if that was just a thought? And then your brain made up this whole rule of like, because I don't know what I'm doing, therefore I'm not a teacher or I don't deserve to be a teacher. And then look at that. That parent confirmed it. Yeah. Even though there were tons of other interactions that showed I did know what I was doing. It didn't matter. That was, that was the one that my brain latched onto. <laughs> yeah. Cause your brain was just like, this is a thought. This is the thing. Yeah. So then we do the same thing for infertility. Being part of the infertility community, being not being alone in this means I'm doing it all right. Cause you had the same sentence with infertility as you did with the teacher. Did you notice that? No, but I'm not surprised. Yeah. You're saying like, I don't know what I'm doing. And then your sentence for infertility was, I don't, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not doing this right with your exact words. Just want to like shine the light on the, like, this is the exact same thing that's just happening with infertility. It's happened with the teacher and nothing different. You said, I don't know if I'm doing this right. People who are in the infertility community, like have tried this many years. They have all this experience. They've done IVF or IUIs. They've like, they've had surgeries. They like have had miscarriages. They have had their, they have a diagnosis, like or multiple diagnoses. Like, and then your brain's like, well, I don't really know what I'm doing. And they clearly know what they're doing. Cause like infertility people like know this. And then, so I can't be part of the community. Like, what do you think about that? Like what's coming up for you as I like, I were kind of digging deep in this. I mean, it's definitely astounding. Like exactly like what my thought process is like, I think like, even when I first like, was just scrolling on Facebook and saw your community pop up. I just was like, I didn't even know if I wanted to click join because I was just like, you know, uh, you know, I had like my, you know, like, I don't want to say my husband's voice in the background of my head, but like, we haven't been trying that hard. It's only been a year. like. You know, you know, so like, yeah, I would definitely say that idea of what we'll say the community looks like, um, I I think is very like stereotypically correct. And it's what even I assumed. Um, Mm -hmm. But I mean, after chatting with you, like, obviously, like you can see, well, that's you know, when I put it in terms of the teaching, yeah. like, you know, to not know, like, have we really done everything we should? Like, what would be the next step? Like, you know, when I'm not feeling like I know what I'm doing or if I'm actually doing it right, like that, like analogy between the two, like makes good logical sense to me. Yeah. Cause I think it's triggering your sense of worthiness. It's triggering your identity. Yeah. And to know that that was a portion of my life, like in teaching that I just passed through and got to a point where I'm like, yeah, I know what I'm doing and I'm doing it right. Like, or I'm at least doing it right for me and my students. Yeah. Like to think that that could transfer and apply to this scenario that I may not, you know, there may not be a, a guideline or a book that I'm following through that I should be, but like what I'm doing is working for, or I, I mean, you know. Or could, you know, could get to the point where I feel that, you know, and just to remember that this is just 
I don't want to say a phase, but just um, like a you transition onto your brain. Yeah. You're like, oh, my brain has this pattern where I feel like an imposter. We call it imposter syndrome. Where I feel like an imposter. Yeah. And that like, it does this teaching infertility. You know what I bet? It's going to do it when you're a mom too. You're yeah. like, I don't know if I deserve to be a mom. Like, am I really a mom? Like, can I call myself a mom? Like, I've only been a mom for like two days. Yeah. I've only been a mom for like five years. I think those other moms have teenagers. They, they really, they're moms. Like maybe I should just call myself like something else. Yeah. Right. But we don't do that when we're moms. We said like, I'm a mom. Yeah. Like, do we be like, am I a wife? When you get married, you're like, I'm kind of a wife. Like I've only been married a couple days. Is my marriage even legitimate? <laughs> it's only been two days. Yeah. Do you see how like that's totally this imposter syndrome? It's totally optional. Yeah. Because did you do that when you got married? No. No, you're like, we're married. Yeah. I'm a wife. He's my husband. Done. Yeah, exactly. It's like done. Moving on. Yeah. So like, why are we doing it with the teacher? And why are we doing it with the infertility? This is because when we get to the why, like this is this is the deep work. Because when we get to the why, and I have I that has something to do with like you said three words: worthy, earned, and deserve. Mm-hmm. And it's like when we get to that why, and we figure out what that thought is, then that's what's going to break everything open. That's what's going to change everything. So let's get to that. Let's figure that out. Okay, because I think it's there. I think we're close. Yeah. I think it's, it's like, why do you feel like you weren't worthy of being a teacher? You weren't worthy of being so-called infertile or part of the infertile infertility community, right? Mm-hmm. Versus when you got married, you automatically accepted that you were wife at day one. Didn't matter how much experience you had. When you're a mom, most likely you're going to accept you're a mom day one. You yeah. have that baby, you give a birth, like, yeah, I'm a mom. Why couldn't, let's start with the teaching. I think that's a little bit easier than the infertility. So why couldn't, why did we accept like you had the degree, you graduated. Why wasn't it like, I'm a teacher. I mean, I think like it was just like, I wasn't exactly young when I started teaching full time, but I wasn't like, you know, tons older than the kids I was working with because I was working with high schoolers. So what? yeah. And you say, so what? And I was just like, I just, what did your brain say? My brain was saying like, you're not that much older. Like, do you really have the experience you need to handle this? Like, um, you know, are, are like, are you sure you're capable? Um, you know, mm. I, I, Things like 
that tended to be the loop at that point in time. Yeah. So I call that the salt, the critic, the inner critic, right? Yeah. The inner critic is just like questioning you, questioning your abilities. Its goal is to drive that little seed of doubt in. So you explode, right? Yeah. And when you have doubt, what do you do? Like when we think like, I'm not doing this right. You feel, how do you feel? I, oh gosh. (laughs) I feel so insecure typically. Like just. Yes. And then when you feel insecure, because you're thinking, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing as a teacher. I don't know what I'm doing with this fertility thing. Right. Yeah. Then we feel insecure. Then what do we do? Like, how do we show up? Not, not well. Yeah. But like, tell me specifics. Like how do we show up? I think sometimes I show up like already defeated. Yeah. Like, what does just, that look like? Uh, do you take like massive action to try to figure out like what's going yeah. on? And like, yes. Like I totally like overcompensate when I'm feeling in- insecure and defeated. Like the sheer number of hours, like I spent when I was first teaching, like outside of class, like I would go to school at seven and leave between four and five, eat a quick supper and then work on materials from six to nine. Like, and that was my first year of teaching because I was just so like, I did that same thing. Yeah. And I mean, now I'm like really good and I've worked really hard the last few years of drawing like where my boundaries are. So like I'm taking care of myself and taking care of my mental health so I can be the support I need for my kids. But I, you know, those first, you know, few years when I, and that's with anything like, you, you know, if, prove yourself. Yeah. If, yeah, exactly. And, you know, so I'm left trying to overcompensate or, you know, if it's even just learning like a brand new skill, like I'm always like, well, how can I learn it better? Or how can I learn it faster? So I'm not like the odd person out, even though learning things is a natural process. And like, you know, you're, you're going to feel a little insecure and defeated when you first start out with anything, but like my brain just tells me you got to overcompensate for it. Like you can't like look like you're not knowing what you're doing. Like, and it, and I know it does that to combat any insecurities, but. And then like, I just want to point out like with the infertility, when you're overcompensating and feeling like, I don't know what to do. So you feel insecure. So you overcompensate like that feels really lonely. You're like making your own loneliness. Yeah. You see how you're doing that. Yeah. You're like your brain and not you, your brain. Right. Is making, cause I don't believe you are what you think. Like your brain gives you random thoughts all day. You can't control that. You are not what your thoughts are, but like your brain is giving you, making your own loneliness. Cause then you're overcompensating. You're feeling so insecure. Like, of course you're feeling lonely. Yeah. You're cause you're creating that with this thought. I don't know if I'm doing this right. I don't know what I'm doing. And then there's this whole thing of worthiness. And then that comes down to this belief. That I think that just as keep coming up in our conversation that the belief is, I have to do A, B, and C in order to be worthy. Yeah. If I don't do A, B, and C, I'm not worthy. 
And then what do you do? You self-punish. And because you're having this thought, I'm not worthy because I haven't done A, B, and C, then I don't, I don't become part of infertility communities. I don't go find those friends. I don't talk to them. I stay on niece duty when I really want to talk to other people. So I don't stand up for myself. I don't do what I want. I don't share vulnerably. And then you're creating more loneliness. Does that make sense? Like what's coming up for you? Do you see like the circle? Yeah. Yeah, I really do. And I think it makes a lot of sense. And like, even just thinking back on other times in my lives, like that is a pretty like consistent cycle that if I think back, I could recognize at other points too. Yeah. Again, nothing to do with the infertility. You're taking old patterns, old habits from childhood, probably, and yeah. applying it to the infertility. And the fertility is what's most, the biggest thing in your life right now. Yeah. Right. So like the great news, like now that we've kind of uncovered some of this, like the great news is that we can totally, like we can hundred percent change this because really what it comes down to is this thought. I'm not doing it right. Everything stems off of that thought that there's a right way to do it. And there's a wrong way to do it. There's a right way to be a teacher that there's a wrong way to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. There's a right way to go through infertility. And there's kind of like the wrong way to go through infertility. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So like, why do you think you're not doing it right? I I think sometimes I don't think I'm doing it right in terms of like, like the infertility is just, I like, don't really fully know how to like track things, like how to like fully communicate, like what I'm experiencing, like in turn, you know, and just, just things like that. Like I'm doing what, what I think works for me, but I don't know, like if it's consistently like correct and so what, let's let's just say, let's go with your brain. Let's just say it's not consistently correct and I'm using air quotes right there that's fine right like it's not consistent let's just like give your brain that like yeah it's not consistently correct so what are you happy with what you're doing ish <laughs> I mean I'm not I'm not thrilled at what I'm doing but I'm not we'll say severely disappointed at what I'm doing like I'm like meh I guess is a nice way to put it. Like, I think going through the last year with everything that's been going on at work to like, I've been doing the best that I can given the situation on both fronts. And I think that's like, that's been so hard to like work with and accept this year because like nothing has felt like a game for me. So I think just having to accept that I'm doing the best I can given the situation has been really hard because like mm-hmm. that earned that worthiness piece, like when you're not feeling like when you feel like you're doing mediocre everywhere, like, you know, but like, that's just a thought. Like I'm doing mediocre everywhere. That's just a thought that your brain gives to you that you're believing. Yeah, exactly. Cause you could be like, 
Cause you just said like, I'm doing the best I can. Like this year was crazy. Infertility, COVID, like teaching crazy. I did yeah. the best I could. How yeah. did that not feel? Like, I didn't. The, that I did the best I could. Like, I know it's true. Like, and part of me truly like accepts that it's true. And I've worked <laughs> again, I've worked really hard to accept and, you know, really commit to thinking that that's been true this year. Um, yeah. So what's the part of you that doesn't believe that's true? I think part of me that, that doesn't believe it's true is just, it's just that little, it's just that little seed of doubt that I'm putting too much stock in because there's just little comments here and there that I'm just like, well, is it like really true? Like, you know, someone again, will just make an offhanded comment and someone that shouldn't, I, you know, I shouldn't even put stock in what they're saying, but it's still just like, you know, feels that little fire of doubt in the corner of my mind. And then like, gotta work really hard to put it out with the other thoughts that I truly have done the best that I could. And so the the reason why it's not been put out so far is because you're stomping on the fire versus like taking away the building materials for the fire. Yeah. And so what what we're doing in coaching, what we're doing today, what we've done today is like start taking away the building materials that to make the fire in the first place. Yeah. Because right now you've been stomping it all out and you've been like, oh no, there they come on. I'm trying to think positive. And this is like so many people do this. This is like one of my things in coaching is that like, yes, we can think positive and thinking positive is great. I'm all about positive psychology, but we have, we can't just think positive and ignore the rest, ignore all the fire fire building materials. Right. Yeah. You have to go in and be like, okay, this is my goal. Positive thought. Now let me go clear out all of the clutter. that's preventing me from believing this 100% of the time, having full belief in this. Like for me, I 100% believe like to cross my heart, hope to die, like give you all the money in my bank account, like that I'll get pregnant. I have zero doubt that I won't be pregnant. 100% believe it. And so like, because I have such strong belief in that and I've cleared out all the stuff that's told me otherwise that said like, well, this little doubt and this little doubt and this little issue. And like, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? Right. I've cleared all that out and gone to the root of those things and literally pulled them out from the roots. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't have to work so hard at believing that it just happens. Okay. Versus like, we're like, I have to believe this. I have to believe this. I have to believe this positive thought. I have to accept this. I am doing my best. I am doing my best. I am doing my best, right? Like a little engine that could, like, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, but then we still have all these things. And then it's like so hard. Like it's so your body and your mind is working so hard versus if we clear all that out then that like positive thought is just going to be there. That makes sense. Right. Yeah. So like, that's the work that we do in coaching. It's like clearing all that out. Cause a lot of times people are like, okay, well just give me a positive thought to think. Like, I think I'm not doing this right. So like, just tell me like, let's just think like I'm doing it perfectly. Like I'm doing, I've tried my best. And like that works to a degree, mm-hmm. but it doesn't work when we don't clear all this stuff out of like why we're really, why we're believing the little seeds of doubt that come in in the first place. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Yeah. And like, that's why I teach in coaching. And like, that's why I know it's hundred percent possible to like, go through infertility and be perfectly fine and be kind of unattached to the outcome. 
Yeah. Because like, like someone could be like, oh, Julie, you're, you're never going to get pregnant. And I'd look at them like their heart was blue. I'd be like, what do you mean? And like, whether that's true or not, like it doesn't even have to be true, that positive thought. You just have to believe it. Right? Because like, is it true that I will get pregnant? Why? Like, do I really know? I don't know. The facts, I don't know the facts. But I really, like, I 100% believe it. And like anyone who comes tell me otherwise, I will be like, oh no, no, I think you're, I think you're mistaken. I think you're a little confused. Like this is, this is what's happening. Right. Right. And so like, I go through the whole thing, like even with the teaching, it's like, oh, like, oh, you're just a little confused. Parent who thinks I'm close to the kid's age. Yeah. So what? I think you're just a little confused that you, like, I have all these degrees. I've done student teaching. Like you're just confused. And that's what we want. That's where we want to get to is like, literally I'm like, when people tell me, like when doctors say like, Oh, well, you, you know, you might, you might not get pregnant. Like we have to be realistic, all these things. I'm just like, huh? <laughs> like, And like, that's because I've worked up to it versus like, even like, I would say even like six months ago, like, <gasps> you're right. Cause it confirmed the seed of doubt that I had. Yeah. And it wasn't about the doctor. It was all about me and like being like, oh, I still believe this. There's still something that I have to go pull out. There's this, and it's a belief system. Mm -hmm. So it's like, and I think the belief system for you is that in order to be worthy, I have to do something perfectly. Yeah. (laughs) That's pretty accurate. Right. That's a big belief system. Yeah. And you probably get in like, that's one that we have. Like a lot of us have that. Like, why are we typing tape a perfectionist? Because that's been our belief system that's taught to us been growing up. Is that you are worthy when you do things perfectly. If you mess up, eh, yes, yes, you're kind of worthy still, but like not as worthy as you would be if you did things perfectly. Right. But like, how can we love ourselves and accept ourselves and like believe, truly believe that we're worthy? Even like, maybe we're not doing all the charting right even though maybe we're not doing all the right diet and the right next steps and all these things. What do you think? (laughs) A lot. I know. Yeah. It's a lot. I I think that's, it's a lot. Um, Yeah. I mean, I, I, Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a lot and I, I don't think any of it's wrong. I mean, I think everything you're saying makes absolute perfect sense knowing my background and everything. Um, and just, <laughs> it's work. I mean, it's a work. lot of work to get there. It's, it's work. It's, it's, it's work for like many, many, many years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then like, it comes up in this and then it goes away and then it comes up for my fertility and then it's great. And then, you know, where it is for me right now, it's in my business. Cause I tackled it all in fertility, grew a lot, help other people do that with their infertility. And then I'm like, Oh, look at that. And that makes sense. Like I, I had had someone mention to me cause I was just so frustrated with the stuff at school this year. And I said, I've just got some stuff I'm trying to deal with at home and just left it at that. And they just politely asked me, they're like, what if you're letting what you're experiencing 
at home spill over into another area. And I was like, I was like, oh dear God. I'm like, they're right. And it's okay. And I was, yeah. But it had never once clicked to me that the two things would be connected and that it's the same cycle just being applied in a different location. Yeah. And like in coaching, that's why like tell you, tell everyone like in coaching, like as you see it in this session, like we don't just stick to like infertility in a box and like put coaching in this box of fertility because normally like, yes, we do talk about fertility. We do talk about infertility. Like I can teach you how to do all the right charting techniques. I can teach you how to do all the right diet techniques. I can teach you all these things, but like the, all, all the actions like don't matter as much if our thoughts and like our embodiment and our anxiety and all these things aren't like at the right right level. Like first we tackle the thoughts of them and now yeah, I, I can teach you how to chart in a session. Like I can teach you how to like, we can do diet stuff in like two sessions. Like that stuff is the easy stuff, but then it's like all the, the stuff that comes up, that's going to keep you from doing all these things is really what we focus on. And like, it's not necessarily just about infertility. It's about our marriages. It's about our careers. It's about our childhood. It's about all these things that just show up in this, because this is our biggest challenge right now. And that if we don't face now, that's totally fine, but they will show, just show up in our, when we're being a mom, <laughs> like, yeah. or they'll show up when we're hitting menopause, like whatever it is. Like, and so that's why I say like, it's, I always say like, it's so much fun to tackle these things now because then we're just like, oh, like great. Like I'm tackling this, like I'm chipping off, chipping off the boulder little by little. And like, that you're just gonna be so much further, further along when you're not beating yourself up about like, do I deserve this? Am I doing it right? Right. Cause let's just be like, yeah, you 100% are doing it right for you for right now. Mm-hmm. And like honoring yourself and loving yourself and knowing that when you need to take the next step and do something differently, like, do you trust yourself to do that? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of it comes down to that self-trust too. I think you're right. I think it does. Yeah. Because then we like trust ourselves. Like I'm doing the best I can for right now. This is exactly what I should be doing for right now. Yeah. Because our brains want to go black and white. Our brains want to be like, it's now or never. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Right. Like, what are we doing right now? Okay, that was like a big session. We tackled like processing emotions instead of stuffing them down and like letting them fully feel like in our bodies so we can let go of those tough emotions and be able to process them when they come up in the future because they will. Yeah. Like faster, easier, less painful. Because when we, it seems funny, but like when we accept the uncomfortable emotions, they become more comfortable. So we talked about processing emotions. We talked about, you tell me, like, what were your takeaways? Like the biggest things that stuck out for you? I mean, definitely processing the emotions. I think seeing where the worthiness and that cycle like has repeated itself um, and understanding like that. I think for me was 
huge and being able to recognize those self-imposed ideas or standards. Um, I think we're like huge, like mind shifts for me that make logical sense. Um, but that especially. Good. I'm so glad. Like, Thank you. I just want to thank you so much for being vulnerable, being on here, sharing all this. I would want to say like, this is just like a very typical session in the, in the life of Jules coaching. <laughs> like this is what we do every week, uncover things. And then we also do all the fun stuff, like, like the charting, like the diet, like the supplements, right. like all those other things. Like, but we first start off with this space work because this is really what's going to like make you feel happy, make you feel in control again. And like, have you be able to get that, that vibration and those emotions up so you can go take all those actions and not do it from a place of like (gasps) scarcity. Like I have to do this or else I'm doing something wrong or I have to do this or else I have to prove to prove myself. It's just like, Hey, I'm going to change my diet and do for fertility, all these fertility different things because I want to. Yeah. Versus like having it be a part of your worthiness. Makes sense. You deserve it. Yeah. Or that it has to be earned because it doesn't. Awesome, Kelly. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you yeah. for showing up and giving it your all. I really appreciate it. I'm sure yeah. this helps so many women because everything that we talked about is like, I talk about it with every single client. Like, it's not, you're not alone. At Good. All. We're here for you. Good. Wonderful. Awesome. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye. If you love this podcast and if you have liked what you have heard so far, I would love it if you could leave me a five-star rating and review. Reviews help others find this podcast and help them get the strategies that they need to thrive during infertility. Remember to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss another episode. If you want to take this work to a deeper level, then I have the perfect coaching program for you. Go to www.simplyjewel.com forward slash empowered infertility to learn more about my signature one-on-one coaching program. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Fertility Life Coach Podcast. See you next time.